Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Today, we are talking about the mutilation of children, cutting off children's penises and breasts. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please also give your thoughts or questions in the comment section below. So how are you doing today? Well, I hope you're having a great day. And I know that I am very grateful for you being with me on this conversation. That's very important. Um, we do need to be able to understand it so we can talk about it and also defend the protection of children against the surgeries. So let's begin. Gender dysphoria is the basis for children being allowed to have gender affirmation surgery or genital surgery. So gender dysphoria is a psychological diagnosis with the primary symptoms being experiencing significant distress or significant impairment related to a strong desire to be of another gender. And that may include wanting to change your primary or your secondary sex characteristics. So that means you're a little girl and you may feel as if, oh, I feel like I'm a boy or you're a woman, oh, I feel as if I was really born in a male's body. And alternatively, okay, I'm a boy, but I feel like I'm not like a regular little boy, so I feel like I should be a girl. The problem with this is that in order to have a true diagnosis of gender dysphoria, individuals have to be psychologically, neurologically, and biologically able to make this decision. And when you are a child, you are not able to make the decision. Who is making this decision are the parents and the physicians who can financially profit off of it. Now, when you are a parent, maybe you might have had your own confusions about your sexuality. You might have had your own sense of rejection when you were a child because you might not have been the stereotypical, very girly girl or stereotypical, you know, boys kind of boy. And that's okay. But if you had been bullied by it, you might have felt rejected from it. So then when you became a parent yourself, you were determined to not have your child or children go through that. And as a parent, I can completely understand. You never want your children to be hurting. You don't want them to be bullied or to be unhappy. But for you to then take your child who has not even had their menstrual cycle yet or not even had their first erection and then to say, well, they definitely want to experience sexuality as another gender or as the opposite gender, you are not really focusing on the benefit or the true desires of that child. You're focusing on your own insecurities that have been unresolved or your own experiences of rejection that you are then projecting onto this child who was not able to make those decisions. And for physicians, they often may be experiencing this same sense of confusion, or they may be happy with the choice that they have made for their own sexuality or sexual choices. And so they believe that this is a positive surgery to do. In no situation is a child able to make such a significant decision about who he or she is. Let's look at the science that supports that. When you are a child, you barely even know how to brush your teeth correctly. You don't know how to cook for yourself. You may like Elmo one day and you might, um, might like um, Susie Q's donuts the next and you cannot stay in Elmo. Your favorite color can change from orange to purple to black. 
depending on what year it is. You can like dinosaurs all the way up into your 12, maybe. And then suddenly you're no longer with it. You may think that girls have cooties and boys are extremely gross. This is what happens during childhood. The whole developmental role of children is to experience life, to develop psychologically, biologically, and neurologically into who they're going to be. And along that way, understanding who they are for their preferences and their personality. So much so that think about if you tap the front of your head, your forehead, that's called your prefrontal cortex. This is an actual uh, structure that's in your body biologically. And behind that, you have your brain, which is the neurological and the psychological part of where your brain is for the structure and where your mind is for the cognitive or the thinking processes. That, that part that you're touching does not even develop until you are in your early adulthood. So if that doesn't develop, if the structure does not even fully physically close and there's a little soft spot in there until you become an adult, there is no rational way, scientific basis of saying that a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, or even a 15-year-old can logically, biologically, or neurologically make the sound decision to become the opposite gender. Similarly, if you look at personality, a person's personality is not formed into their late part of their early adulthood. Females do not have their personality solidified until they are 28. It might be a year or two before or a year or two after, but on average, they're 28 years old. And men, they don't have their personality formed until they are 32 years old. So if your biological structures of your brain, of your skull, are not formed and finalized until your early adulthood, then we have just basic evidence showing that children, even if you look at their behaviors of what they want from one day to the next, can tell us logically that they don't have any ability to really make this decision. But instead, parents, practitioners are allowing this and promoting this to happen as a way to then also have a support of LGBTQ individuals. There's nothing wrong with loving every single person, regardless of their confusion, regardless of their sexual preference. But it's not okay to push those preferences onto children who can barely even brush their teeth. So when you have this gender surgery or genital surgery, what happens is that you have either a chest or a top surgery, which is where the girls have their breast tissue removed so they can have a more masculine appearance. Or if you are a boy, then they have injections and put in breast implants to help the little boy have a breast size and a breast shape for a more feminine appearance. When you have a genital or a bottom surgery, that's to transform or reconstruct the genitalia. So in little boys, they take the penis, they cut it, think of a hot dog, they cut it in half, and they fold it inside to make it look like it's a vagina. And then they will then take off the tip of the penis where the main stimulation and sensations are and make that to be a sort of clitoris. And it's, con it's considered a neo-vagina, meaning a new vagina. And then for little girls, what they do is they cut off the clitoris and then they extend other parts of the vagina, cutting off the labia, which is cutting off the vaginal lips, or they can then reconstruct it by 
making it have a more of a fluffy appearance or a pull down appearance to look like a typical penis with scrotum and testes. And so they then will then insert using the skin from the labia, they will then make a little tiny penis and it may be able to be extended depending on how old the little girl is to make it look like a regular adult size or regular boy size penis. As a parent, you may feel as if it's more beneficial for your child to have a genital or a top surgery to make them have a physical appearance to match who they are saying they feel they are or who you believe they are saying that they feel they are. That may help in the moment, but there are long-term implications that are doing a lot of damage. Not only are the children being mutilated, but they're also having infertility issues. Little girls who are having the surgery cannot become pregnant because they're also having their uterus sometimes taken out and their cervix taken out. If they do have their uterus and cervix still intact, they won't be able to have any sexual pleasure, nor will they be able to breastfeed. They're not able to have sexual pleasure because their clitoris has been cut off and then said they have a fake penis they cannot ejaculate and therefore there is no orgasm that way. Now, it's different for the boys who have the surgery because what they're using is the height of sensitivity at the top of the penis. And so they're using that and using all of those nerve endings to make a pseudo clitoris. So if you can still massage it and stroke it as they get an adult and they can have some sense of pleasure and they can have an, um, an orgasm. But again, it won't be to the point of had they been in their true body as their biological self unaltered, would it have been to that extent? So I'm all for supporting and loving children with confusion, with gender dysphoria. But a child is a child who doesn't have sexual preferences if they are under the age of sexuality. And if they can't even really voice that, then don't superimpose your own desires onto them. In order for a child, a boy or a girl, to be able to have the surgery, they have to have legislation that allows this to happen. And this is the part where it's becoming a civil right and where parents and school systems and communities are suing medical providers for not providing services or even the Department of Justice has been involved in several cases because they're saying that it's a civil right if a provider is not going to provide a surgery to an individual who says that they want to have this type of gender surgery. And so in Texas, there was a one of the big discriminations under the 14th Amendment's um, Equal Protection Clause. And the troubling part for me as a psychologist is that there are medical people who are coming out believing that this is something that is an actual right for children to be able to have, when scientifically you already know that they cannot make that decision biologically. They can't even have a menstrual cycle, much less know what it's like to be able to say, I want to be the opposite gender. The research that people are relying on to use in court to justify it being an equal right or to be a protection of equal rights is using it sometimes based off of psychology. And as a psychologist, again, I am upset about this because the APA president was condemning the Texas governor's directive to report parents on transgendered minors. Now, I can fully agree 
with keeping confidential what you discuss with your client. That's what it should be. That's part of what HIPAA is for and not releasing medical information. But on a greater level, I don't agree with them using faulty research to say that this is an actual psychological or medical impairment that then must be supported. For example, the APA president has said, quote, the peer-reviewed research suggests that transgender children and youth who are treated with affirmation and receive evidence-based treatments tend to see improvements in their psychological well-being. But what many non-scientists are unaware of is that when you have peer-reviewed research, peer-reviewed research is not as strong as actual pure scientific research because peer-reviewed research is only peers who are people who are experts in your field that have expertise in a particular area that you are studying or that you are going to do your research on. They review your article, they review your research, and then they give you their professional expert opinion on the quality of the research that was conducted or the quality of the words that were written in that article. That's different from a scientific evidence-based experiment where you can predict over and over again the same outcome for every person who is having the surgery or who is taking hormone blockers or puberty blockers. So whenever anyone is using more of a softer data to support their statements, you have to look at what might be the motivations for them to use softer data rather than hard data. If that hard data is available, let's focus on that. And if you have a person who is more likely to relate to or have an invested interest in data being softer rather than harder, then they're going to focus on using those experts or selectively choose experts who are already producing research that supports what you want. So it's no coincidence that this APA president has openly stated that he is proud to not only be the second Black president, but to be the second openly gay president in APA. It does not mean that every person in the LGBT community who is conducting research is biased, but it's always interesting if your research that you're using suddenly or coincidentally supports what you already believe in. That's important to understand because in order to make fair, equitable decisions, whether it's in legislation and funding or medical treatment, in order for it to do the most benefit to those who are receiving the services, such as genital surgery, you really should use the pure science, not softer science or softer data that's going to be skewed, which means pointing in a way that's more biased or more likely to support what you already want to say. The legislation part Basing it off of research that is biased is a big issue because if this is passed, an even greater issue is now pedophiles, and you know how I feel about that. So pedophiles are individuals who have a strong attraction to sexual interest for and with infants, toddlers, prepubescent, and early adolescent children. So if you are saying that this group, infants, toddlers, prepubescent, and early prepubescent adolescents are the ones who are 
able to now say, I believe I should have gender surgery. If you are giving them the power and saying that they are psychologically and neurologically developed enough to make this decision, then you are getting away from having any valid foundation for prosecuting any pedophiles because now society has set up a precedence where children as young as nine can choose their own sexual identity so much so that we're going to evoke the 14th amendment and say that if you don't perform the surgery, then you are going against the civil right. So you're creating a catch 22 society. So please be mindful of your choices. So that ends our time for today, but please don't end this very important conversation, but remember to do so using science and love. And if you run to